We've been in a series that called The Light of Christmas and talking about the light that Jesus brought. If you take your Bibles and uh, turn this morning, we're going to be back in the passage of Luke chapter 2. Last week, uh, we looked at it from the angel's perspective. This week, we're going to look at it from the shepherd's perspective. So it reads like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up these things in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray this morning. Father, when we come before you, we're talking about your story. We're not talking about our story. We're talking about what you have done for us, not what we have done for you. And when we come to Christmas, we recognize that what is just a a beautiful scene, even in the pictures this morning of step-by-step, that outside nativity scene was galvanizing for me. Just that picture of what it took for you to identify with us, what it took for you to come on our turf, what it came for you to come and play by our rules, And Lord, what that cost you. But the promise that's so full in that is such a beacon of light. And we pray this morning that uh, as we talk about light, Lord, we are not light ourselves. You are light. And may your light, your spirit have a conversation with us as we uh, go through the material and we seek you for that on this Christmas. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. All right, so like we said last week, we talked about the angels' perspective. They had been waiting a long time. And you can just imagine if you've anticipated or had to wait a long time for something, uh, be it a trip, be it uh, you know, maybe a new house, be it a new car, be it a baby, be it whatever. And you've waited and waited, maybe some adopted kids. I'm looking at Krista right here. And you've waited a long time. And then all of a sudden comes that moment when it happens it's like boom, right? And so the angels were really rocking on this deal. They had been looking forward to it uh, since ages past. But for the shepherds, it's a little bit of a different deal. So let's look at, at them this morning um, and just kind of put yourselves in these guys' shoes. Or maybe sandals would be more culturally appropriate, all right? You're out in the field, you're a shepherd. Uh, You've lived in the fields most of your life. You know the land well. You're a person or man of the land. You know the challenges both the day and the night bring. You know what to watch for. Um, You know when to be alert. You know when you can relax. Um, You've lived out there in the fields most of your life. 
You know both the dangers and the rewards well. And as shepherds, you're pretty practically minded, right? Now, yes, you're uh, Jewish, and yes, you know the stories of faith from the history of your people. Uh, You grew up in synagogue. You could recite them as well as anybody next to you. Um, But they're just that. They're stories. In your world, there's no parting seas or those kind of things. There's just sheep. Right? And uh, they aren't particularly cooperative. Are the stories real? Sure. But not as real as sheep and wolves and poop and wool and campfires and frost. That's the world you know. Others can wrestle with the theology. You've got a job to do. And then suddenly, boom. Boom, like you have never expected. And it says this. The title of this message is called Blinded by the Light. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Right? So when this happened, this wasn't like, Hey, Harry, look, an angel. You know, or maybe Levi, right? Hey, look, an angel. You know, it wasn't, wasn't that kind of thing. And when you read in Scripture, when there are these appearances, they are, are quite startling. So, when you think about an angel appearing, what kind of thoughts go through your mind? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what it'd be like to be the shepherds or Mary um, and have that kind of encounter? And how would you have reacted? Um, it's depicted in a lot of different ways. Here's the picture that we used last week, and you can see the shepherds are cowering in the light of the angel. Obviously, this is an artistic rendition. Here's another uh, rendition trying to capture what happened on that night uh third picture that uh this one carries with it the sense or presence of of light you can imagine um what that would have looked like to them here's a fourth picture and you can see there's just a lot of different um ideas of what that looked like but here's the point when you think about this angels come from heaven So light is not startling to angels, but it's jarring for shepherds, all right? Shepherds, that is not exactly uh, their wheelhouse. And you have to understand that what takes place in these verses that we're talking about, they have absolutely no context for, okay? Now, us living in 2013, we have more of a context for it, but they have no context um, whatsoever, uh, I want to do an illustration this morning. Um, this is uh, my friend John Carruthers' flashlight, all right? Uh, it's one of those multi-billion lumen, you know, uh, flashlights of doom. Call it the illuminator. And uh, I just want to... So, guys, if you can hit, hit the lights here, all right? So just enjoy some darkness here with me for a minute. Here we go, down, boom, okay? So you are shepherds out in the field at night and all of a sudden boom now i won't shine it in your faces but you can see this is a pretty powerful light and even the fringe of it right i can see all of you and i can tell who you are right it's a pretty amazing pretty amazing light imagine if you were a jewish shepherd in israel and a light like this shown up that would have kind of caught your attention right you've never seen anything like that before all right guys bring the lights back up this is nothing compared to what they saw, all right? 
This is just a very, very poor illustration of what actually took place. It is nothing compared to uh, the reality. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. So if you saw somebody showed up and they were just alive with fire and they weren't burning up and it radiated out brighter than that flashlight, that would be a startling thing. Now, Hollywood has grabbed onto this. Uh, you're aware of this. I want to show you an old clip. See, some of you are old enough, you'll remember this one. But watch this clip and then we'll come back. That is just what, I mean, we could do dozens and dozens of clips like that where Hollywood steals this idea of, you know, illuminated ones or light or that kind of stuff. Where did they get those pictures from? They got it from the Bible. They took these images of what we're talking about uh, this morning uh, and uh, this idea of being illuminated by the light of God is one that um, uh, Hollywood is kind of... uh, taken from and copied um, there's a like i said a lot of themes like this but here's the thing they don't use it to lead you to jesus all right cocoon and home has nothing to do with heaven all right and uh, it, it's a total twist and that's the idea of taking what the original message and then twisting it and so the whole idea um, we shouldn't be surprised scripture tells us that satan himself masquerades as what an angel of light right? And so try to take a message and twist it for some other purpose. And uh, what you find, um, if you look at that word masquerading, it means that uh, you put on a disguise or a false pretense to cover your real nature. And so there's a lot of what you see in Hollywood that uh, uses biblical themes, but then steers it in another direction, away from Jesus, actually, instead of towards him. And I think We've all been around long enough to know that. But here's the the key thought for the morning. Heaven is a kingdom of light. When you read about heaven, when you if you spend any time in the Bible at all, and it talks about heaven, particularly the book of Revelation, you'll find out that it is a place filled with light. Matter of fact, when you talk about the New Jerusalem and the New Jerusalem coming down, and you're talking about a city that is 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles high, that's quite a city, needs no lights. It is illuminated by the presence of God and the resurrected Jesus Christ himself. That's a pretty powerful light. That's a pretty powerful uh, person. Uh, This passage in Colossians kind of captures that. Um, It starts out um, a couple verses before the ones you see up on the screen. It says, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, That's our goal as a church. And please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And then what you see on the screen, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. And listen to this phrase, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of light. That is an amazing phrase. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so when we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about the person 
who brought about that possibility. We're talking about the person who uh, made it possible for us to go to heaven, to have our sins forgiven. That is the person of Jesus. Not only is heaven light, but God is a God of light. When we talk about his light, we're talking about something that is hard to comprehend on a human level. It says in um, Timothy here, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in, here's the key phrase, who lives in unapproachable light. Unapproachable light. Whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever and ever. Amen. What does unapproachable light look like? That's a weird question, isn't it? What does unapproachable light look like? I mean, a light so blinding, so penetrating that you can't even look at it, you can't even, uh, it wipes you out if you're in its presence. Go back to the uh, spotlight illustration um, you know that we had. That's a pretty bright light, right? And I kind of indirectly shown around, and even some of you are like in just the kind of in, but if I had flashed that in your eyes, right, Jason, right, that would have been, whoa, right, we'd have done that. Well, what we're talking about is way more than just a flashlight, okay, that, that's created by batteries. We're talking about something that is created by the very person himself. And over and over, the scripture affirms that God is our light and that God is light. That that is his nature. That's what he's like. Uh, just take a short look at the Psalms. I've pulled a few examples here, and uh, many of these will be very familiar with you, but they're worth uh, going over at, at Christmas time here. Here's a couple in the Psalms. Psalm 27, 1. You know this one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If you're walking in the light of the Lord, you have tremendous protection. We, we know that verse, and uh, many of us, that for many of us probably in this room, that's even a life verse, right, that we have anchored on. Uh, Psalm 36, 9. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. In other words, when God gives us light, then we can see what we could never see before. Isn't that true? Right? I know that was true in my life. People were talking about Jesus. I didn't get it. And they talked to me and they talked to me, and they talked to me, and part of me wanted to know about it, part of me didn't. Part of me really was fighting against it, and I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me till I came to that broken surrender place. Funny how that works. And, uh, and all of a sudden, oh, I get it. And in his light, I saw light. And that's probably a story many of us could relate to. Psalm 43, 3. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. When that, that's a great verse for today, right? Uh, do we need God's light to burst forth on our country and our nation? Absolutely. And that's something that we, many of us spend significant per time about, asking for God for mercy and sending his light. Psalm 76.4, here's a good one. It says, you are resplendent with light. Okay? And that word resplendent is just a cool word, okay? Uh, often that word is used for uh, movie actresses and on the red carpet, and they say, oh, they're resplendent in their evening gown or, or that kind of stuff. But here we're talking about uh, incandescent. We're talking about uh, 
absolute, when we talk about the beauty of God, we're talking about the way the light refracts off of him. Much like uh, sunrises and sunsets and uh, the way the water hits off the light, if you've ever been up at a lake and watched the light dance off a lake and that kind of stuff, there's just multiple, uh, if you take a diamond, if the uh, ladies, you look in, right, you go in and get your diamonds cleaned and all of a sudden you can see light in it like you never saw before. And as you turn it, it gives a different light because each facet shines differently. This is this idea, only it's not off a ring, it's off a person. There is uh, innumerable and uncountable ways light reflects off of God and it is absolutely His glory and His beauty. It says He's resplendent in it. Uh, a couple other verses I don't have up there, but um, Psalm 90, verse 8 says, You have set our iniquities before you. Here's a good one at Christmas time. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. Right? Now we can stack up pretty good to one another and we can look pretty good in front of one another and we can fool one another, but in, in the presence of that light, can we hide our sins? That is a very, very uncomfortable position. One that we have probably given great thought to. Psalm 104, verse 2 says, uh, he wraps himself in a garment of light. So in other words, he wraps himself in light, just like putting on a, a, like we would call an overcoat, or he just wraps himself in light. And we know that as a song, right? And, uh, And we sing about his majesty with that. And so this whole concept of light is not, it's not just a place, it's, it's a person. But when we're talking about God's light, it, we, we'd be doing it a real injustice if we just talked about it as light because we're running into something far more powerful than just light. All right, And I want you to consider that this morning as you head towards Christmas, you think about Christmas and all that it means and the coming of the Lord Jesus what we're running into is not only more powerful, but it's actually even more difficult than light, okay? It's the source of his light. When we talk about God and we talk about his light, what is it, you know, when you look at this passage this morning and it says the shepherds were terrified, all right? It does not say they were kind of spooked or a little jumpy, or like when someone comes around the corner of the house and you didn't know they're there, you know, that kind of, we're not talking about it. It says they were terrified. What is it that creates that terror? What is it that um, causes them to absolutely come unglued? What is it that creates terror when angels show up? They're not even God. But they live in the presence of God and they carry the light of God. And so what is it that even when angels show up, it creates this, this reaction and, and fear. I want to suggest this to you this morning. It's one word. Holiness. There is something about the holiness of God that is completely unhuman and that we know how to deal with. There are moments when we run into the holiness of God and we suddenly start to realize we are against Uh, something that is incredibly powerful. There is so much we know about God and there's so much we know about Jesus, particularly his heart, his character, um, his plans, and what he desires for us. 
But there are many, many things we don't know about God. He hasn't played all the cards in the deck. He has not shown everything in his hand. And one of the things that we don't know a lot about is his holiness. What kind of person has no sin? What kind of person has no shadow, has no coloring, no shading, um, does not deal with the brokenness and fall like we do? And because we're broken and fallen, we uh, react in a very specific way when he shows up in his holiness. The holiness of God is powerful. The holiness of God is the source of God's light. It isn't just that he's light. It's his holiness generates his light. And that kind of holiness is overwhelming when encountered on a human, on a human level. Probably the best expression we can humanly conjecture is that he dwells in unapproachable light. Not even Moses was able to look at the face of God. And I doubt any of us were close to him in terms of our own personal obedience. We're talking about a type of character, a type of person, and that person came in a package at Christmas and we call him Jesus. We'll talk more about this next week. But totally God, totally man, wrapped in one. And when we run into this, it's absolutely blinding and it's terrifying. And that's why the angel had to say what? Don't be afraid. I'm actually an ally. Because the pre- even though it's a friendly presence, it's such an overwhelming presence, the angel had to say, don't be afraid. Because why? They were very afraid. Okay? And these are guys who are not wimps. You know, often we talk about the lowly shepherds and that kind of stuff. But understand, these are men's men. These are guys who fight off wolves. These are guys who fight off lions with staffs and slings, all right? We're talking about guys who knew the rule of the jungle and knew the rule of the woods, and they knew how to fight, and they knew how to fight very powerful enemies, and they were very good at it. And they were terrified. They cowered in the presence. Even though we know He loves us, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It says, our God is a raging fire. Now that, that's a picture of intense burning heat. That um, It's trying to describe something that there's not really human words for. It's like a PhD talking to a kindergartner trying to explain physics. Uh, it looks sort of like this, right? Simple picture. And so understand when we're talking about Christmas and we're talking about being blinded by the light, we're talking about who Jesus really was, we can reduce it down to some really simple uh, human things and go, oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that nice? That's so sweet, it's a baby. And we forget who the baby is. And we forget the signs that accompany his coming. And we forget what is wrapped in the person of that baby. And our world desperately wants to forget because they know that light is coming. And they're terrified of it. 
And I would say for good reason. Why are we afraid? Same reasons. When we encounter God's holiness, we immediately become aware of what? Our sin. Right? If you've walked with the Lord any length of time, you know that's true. The closer you get to Him, the more you see. I do this little exercise in my office with people uh, because sometimes when people come to Christ or they start course correcting uh, some, you know, bad habits and that kind of stuff, sometimes it gets really overwhelming. And, and they just kind of give up and they're like, oh my gosh, my life's actually gotten worse, harder. It's terrible. I, I see awful things in me I never saw before. I don't like this. And so one of the things I do in my room is I will um, shut all the lights off in the room and I have that little slot window, so I'll back up to it and I'll hold uh, some paper so there's no light. And I'll ask them, what do you see? And usually the only thing you can really see is there's a little green light on my computer and that, right, you know, that little green glow? And so uh, I have them close their eyes for all three and say, okay, what can you see? And they see that little green light. And off that little green light, you can sort of kind of see some really vague outlines of sort of kind of some stuff. You don't really know what it is, but you can kind of sort of tell, right? And then um, I'll take the paper away from the window and say, okay, now what can you see? And they'll suddenly go, oh, they can see more and describe a few things. I'll step away from that window and say, okay, now what can you see? And all of a sudden now you can describe books. You can see my banjo sitting there. You can see the guitar. You can see my whiteboard and all kinds of things that you can explain. And then uh, I'll turn the lights on and go, now what can you see? Well, now you can see the detail in the room, right? And I ask them, did anything really change? They said, well, no. Everything that was in the room is still in the room. I said, okay, what's the only thing that changed? And they kind of think about it, and it occurs to them, it's the amount of light in the room. Nothing's really different. It's just the amount of light in the room. And that is such a powerful metaphor for us in the Christian life. Nine times out of ten, nothing in our life has really changed. It's just God has shed a light on it, and we can now see it for what it clearly is. Nowhere is that more painful than when you've known the Lord for 30-some years, and you look back on your sin 30 years later, and you go, oh, yuck. And you can see it for what it really was. And you realize that at that moment, God forgave you of that sin as he really saw it and knew it in his light, not as you saw it. That is an amazing thing in the Christian life to realize that God forgave you that kind of darkness. And that's what Christmas is all about. When we talk about blinded by the light, God shedding light so that we could see. See it as he sees it. It's one thing to see your sin. Isn't it amazing how sin looks pretty good in you and really crummy in another person? Right? I mean, just take anything. You kind of go, if they do it, oh, how can you? Ah! And then if you do it, well, you got to understand. You know, there's, there's, uh, it's complicated. You know, there's, there's conditions. If you only knew my situation, you'd realize what's going on here. All right? It, it's just funny how we do that, but God's light, God's holiness doesn't allow us. The experience is often so numbing if you um, look at the passages in the Bible that the people encountering it have to actually be resuscitated uh, so that they can even function. 
Even God's holiness, as I said, reflected through his angels is overwhelming. And so we're talking about encountering God in his glory, encountering God in his light. And what scripture tells us is that that baby was no ordinary baby. That baby was designed to bring the light. And one of the questions we can ask this morning, so what is our source of light today? Obviously, it's the Lord, right? But our source of light today in 2013, what's the flashlight that God uses? What's the tool he uses to illuminate light? Obviously, it's what? The Bible. The Bible is God's flashlight. If you think about it, when you read through this book, this is one of the few books in the world that tell you what's wrong with you. Right? Notice all the self-help books. What's, they tell you what's right with you and how good you are and you're capable of anything and you can accomplish all miracles. High school students, you can't fail at anything. Chase your dreams. What does the Bible tell you? You've got a couple problems. Things aren't right. Between you and God and between you and other people and here's some things... You need to get in line. Consider, let God's light shine in your heart so you change course, change a path, because the way you're going isn't going to be productive in your marriage, in your parenting, in your relationships. You ever run into that? That's encountering God's holiness. Um, the Bible directs us um, to and is a source of God's light. You know this one, Psalm 19. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I use the King James Version there because it's the cool one right modern versions say the same thing but that's that that one's worded just right right and uh, psalm 119 130 says the unfolding of your words give light and it gives understanding to the simple in other words if you don't get god you don't understand it um and you don't know who he is or how it works or how the relationship works what does it say spend some time in his words his words give light and often a person has multiple, multiple questions. I'll ask them, have you ever read through the New Testament? They go, no. Would you be willing to? And they go, sure. And it's amazing the questions they come up with that they've never thought of or never saw before because the Bible is illuminating ideas for them that they didn't even know were ideas they were supposed to be thinking about. It's, it's a fascinating deal. Um, Steve Wilson sent me this uh, Latin term this week, post-tenbras lux, all right? Post-tenbras lux. It means out of darkness, light. It was the uh, battle cry for the Reformation. And uh, it's a great one because it captures what I'm talking about here. Out of darkness, light. How does, how does light come out of darkness? Light comes out of darkness through God's Word. And so I, I want to do... Uh, I want to give an unabashed pitch, right? Okay, here's a commercial and a sales pitch. I'm going to tell you right straight up, all right, so that you know. And I'm trying to hook you. I'm going to be pastorally preaching and hooking you right here. Just want you to know. Get your sales resistance up. Here we go. All right, but I just want you to know. I want to challenge us this year and encourage us um, and invite us to reading through the Bible in 2:14. Okay? A lot of us have never done it. You know what? And what that's like, you know what that's like? Always having somebody else's truth. It's really boring. High school students, really, really boring. Right? It's like this. If we said, hey, let's go out for breakfast before church. 
And we go down to the pancake house down here. And I say, awesome. So we order pancakes, and I grab your plate, and I eat your pancakes. Then I barf it back up on the plate and say, okay, here's your pancakes. Would you eat them? You know what? I know that's a gross illustration. I like being gross. I'm an old youth pastor. That's exactly what it feels like when we're always going off of somebody else's truth instead of Jesus's. We need to encounter. The Word says you, as Northview Community Church, need be in the Word to find out if I am actually telling you the truth and to find out if I vary. A lot of times you catch me doing what? I'll throw things in there and go, did you get that? You know, just to see if you're actually tracking, right? And the idea there is that you've got to encounter the truth itself. And so many of us have never... Uh, I went to SPU and... Uh, in one class, it was a rhetoric class, so I did this. And I said uh, to the class, there was uh, 27 in the class. I said, how many of you have read through Genesis to Malachi? And, and out of a class of 27, three hands went up. Three, not two, three. Okay, Three hands went up. I said, all right, how many of you have read through Matthew to Revelation? Four hands went up. Okay? I said, how many of you have memorized the chapter of Scripture? And I think roughly about four or five hands went up again. I said, how many could repeat it back to me right down? The hands all went down. Okay? And here was my point to them. This is SPU. This is a Christian college. This is uh, where we send the best of the best of our students and, and the brightest of the bright, right? That in that class out of 27 people, over 80% of them had never read the Word of God for themselves. There was a reason they were bored with it, and there was a reason they were so attracted to the world, because they had never taken the time to go through it themselves. For what did that say and mean for them? What was their motivation? What was, their, what was God asking of them? They had always gone off of everybody else's truth. Their, their parents' truth, their, not bad. Youth pastor's truth, not bad. Pastor's truth, not bad. But the problem is, unless it's your truth, you encounter Jesus, and, and here's the thing, you can be in church all your life. If you never encounter him, you've missed it. Okay? You have missed it because you are to encounter him and then be in fellowship with others who have encountered him. It's really hard to have fellowship if you haven't encountered him. And so I want to challenge us and invite us uh, to reading through the Bible. Take your bulletin, if you would, and look inside. 2.14, it says, read through the Bible on the front page, 2.14. See that right there? You can take this home with you. You can talk about it. You can pray about it. Now, this is not a have to, and you're a, a, you know, a gob monster if you don't, and you know, you're second-class citizens in a slime bucket, and you, know, you can't come to church anymore. No, 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 no. This is not Phariseeism, all right? This is a grace thing. Some of us haven't. Some of us have. How many of us would feel challenged to read through the Bible in 214. Um, I go through it every year. Four chapters a day, start in Genesis all the way through. I finished in mm, October this year. Right? It, it's just a fascinating thing. But we've got a whole thing put together. I want to show you, uh, this is, uh, it's going to be called AIM 214, read through the Bible in a year. And uh, you can see in the passage. And then up here, there's two two different ways you can register for it you can fill out a card and say hey steve i want to do that read through the bible thing that'd be awesome and uh sign your name on that or you can go online on our website 
and you can sign up. There's a link you can click on, and it'll give you the whole reading program and follow and uh, what you can do with that. I want to give you very handsome man here, Steve Wilson. Some of you know him. Steve and Susan are here. Steve is willing to be the point person on this this year. And uh, so we'll have a list of emails that want, and he will send out encouragement and emails. He even said, hey, you know how you fall behind in these things all the time? You'll have catch-up days where you come and have desserts together and spend some hours reading together just to get caught up, all right? And if you've got questions, they'll have a panel, and we'll have a panel discussion and ask questions and, you know, be able to get back up and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's not a uh, slavery, grudgery, religious thing to do. It's uh, encounter God's light in 214. Let him speak to you in a significant way, all right? So that's the challenge before you. You can decide... Um, what you want to do with that. Um, I just want you to know I will personally be doing it myself. So that's a good thing. So let's wrap up this morning. Jesus was, is, the light of the world. He says, I'm the light of the world. And I'm going to ask the band to come on up here. He says, I am the light of the world. When we're talking about this light, He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We've talked about light this morning, and light's been illustrated in so many different ways in the passages that we've been talking about. One of the ways we've talked about this morning was the angels and the light that they brought to it. Um, There's other uh, illustrations of light that took place. We used the flashlight this morning. and we've talked about uh, symbols of that light. I want to use the uh, star this morning as a symbol of that light. You know, the wise men saw it, and they recognized that it was something significant. And when they saw it, it says that they followed him. That was a journey of about 14, 15, 1,600 miles. Following the light that was given them, and when they found the star, who did they find? They found the Christ. They found the child of Christmas. There's a whole lot of meanings in our culture uh, for Christmas that have nothing to do with Jesus and have everything to do with self. But there is a deep sense that Christmas is about a person who came in a very significant role to bring light to us. And that light, when we encounter it, is blinding. When you run into them in a living way, it's a blinding light. And we need that light. We need that light personally. We need that light in our marriages. We need that light in our families. We need that light in our neighborhoods. As we come to Christmas, I guess the encouragement as we head towards it is stay focused on the light. Stay focused on the Lord Jesus. How have you centered him uh, in your home? And what's the conversation with your family? about the Lord, and to make it around him and to be thankful for him. You know, when the angels showed up, they were terrified, but he says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of what? Great joy. He came to rescue us, and he is worthy. Next week, we're going to talk about coming to the light, and then Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about uh, worshiping the light. But we're going to start that this morning and roll it out in a way that's very, very familiar to you, but I hope this morning will have some extra meaning. It's a song that you're familiar with. 
It's a, a fabulous and favorite, wonderful Christmas song. It's one that um, you've probably known as a kid and have sung it through most of your life. And we're going to roll with that this morning. So would you stand and we'll worship together.